Welcome to Destination Leadership, the podcast for people interested in diving into the worlds of inspiring leaders to learn from them. I'm your host, Katrin Grunwald, founder of The Globe Team, organizational development consultant, and coach for first-time leaders. Today's guest is Nicole Wilke. Nicole is the head of international climate policy within the Federal Ministry for the Environment in Germany and the lead German negotiator as well as one of three EU lead negotiators at international climate conferences such as the Paris Climate Change Conference in 2015, which you have surely heard about. I'm really honored to have a leader in my podcast whose personal and team actions have such a wide reach. In our interview, we talk about Nicole's first leadership position. It was outside of work in an association and how this prepared her for taking over her first team at the Ministry for the Environment. This team is, 16 years later, actually still her team, just always with new team members. I'm impressed by how Nicole found her leadership style of trusting in her team and giving them a lot of freedom whilst being very open and vulnerable, also sharing in our conversation challenges she had as a first-time leader at the beginning. For those listeners who might have some difficulties to let go and trust their team members, there are quite some recommendations for you in this episode. So without further ado, enjoy our conversation. It's a great honor to have today's guest here in the podcast. I would like to say a warm welcome to you, Nicole Böke. Very warm welcome also to, from my side. Let's start, Nicole, with an introduction to the listeners so they get to know a bit more about you and the kinds of teams that you've been leading. Okay, my name is Nicole, as you have already heard. I am head of international climate policy, a unit in the environment ministry in Germany. Uh, I'm leading a team of actually about 15 people. Um, I've led that team for 16 years now. Um, the composition has changed several times during that time period. No one from the beginning is there. So I am basically the fossil of that, of that unit by now. And before that, um, in my previous... Um, private life, I would call it, um, I was also heading um, an association. So that is basically where I took my leadership experience from. We'll look at the association because I think it's a very interesting association. <laughs> we'll look at that later. Let's start with your team that you mentioned has changed so many times along those 16 years and you were the constant there. When you look back at yourself 16 years ago, tell us a bit more. How was the situation when you started leading your first team? So when I started to lead the team, uh, I had two challenges at the same time. First of all, I had no clue about the substance. I had worked in the environment ministry and other areas, but I had no international experience, no negotiation experience. So that was that was quite something to learn. But at the same time, then um, I had no leadership experience in a sense. I mean, I've been there as a deputy from times giving tasks to, to people, 
but really being the leader and being looked at that that was very new to me and that was also very challenging because I often simply didn't understand uh, where their problem was because I thought everything was clear and uh, that was one probably of the the important experiences I made that things that are clear to me are necessarily clear to others so I had to learn a lot um, there were quite a number of conflicts I had to undergo and the first one and a half years I didn't feel very confident that it really was a good decision for me to take and um, I had lots of conflicts as I said with some team members and I didn't fully understand why and then the situation improved when these uh, people left the team um, then I was I got more confident. I understood better what my role would be and I understood better what the the expectation from the team towards me would be. But that was that was quite a tough process to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's often quite a challenge being a team member and then moving to team lead with like you said, if there's like new topics, business topics, or organizational topics, and of course leading the team. What what would you say with hindsight helped you? to find your way. You mentioned people leaving the team. What were other things that helped you, especially at the beginning, to find your own leadership style and the way you wanted to interact with the team? So I had, in my previous role, I had received some coaching for um, to once lead a team. I had learned quite some techniques, but I couldn't fully grasp what they would mean in, in practice. And then when I didn't know where, how to best deal with the issues, I actually called that coach again and asked her privately to help me. And, and we discussed a number of situations and that helped me to better understand. I had conversations also um, with my boss uh, where at least some of the issues uh, were helpful. It was much more difficult to talk to him about these issues, obviously, than to a coach, but also that was of help. And then I think the most important thing was the experience over time um, to learn how to survive a situation. And then next time when you are in a similar situation, then to have that experience, how it worked last time or what didn't work, then try other things. So in that sense, um, it was constant process of working with myself to get better over time. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And as I mentioned in our pre-discussion, I think it's so honest and humble also from your side to, to be open about it in some situations, just to look for support and look for external help when things you try don't work. So you, you discuss with someone external and you look from another angle at things. Yeah, but that, I mean, that we do in private life as well, right? I mean, if yeah. you're in a situation and you don't know how to deal with that, or it's sometimes it's just to talk about it um, to better understand and then to get a different perspective. Yeah. Um, and it's that I think was what helped me a lot to, to, to have that exchange and to allow me to take a different um, kind of perspective to the issues. Yeah, yeah, that's something definitely that working with first-time leaders uh, that I hear a lot of people say about um, the the work that we do together that they really enjoy not enjoy but it's necessary sometimes to talk things through with an external person. Um, when you look back now with the sixteen years of experience, <laughs> what would you say are things that you just wished you had known before? You mentioned that 
to know that it's difficult at the beginning would have been one thing. What are other things um, that you wish you knew back then? Yeah, and knowing that it's difficult would have helped a lot. And um, having experience and knowing that, that it takes time to learn these things, that you can't know all of that from the very beginning and that no one is perfect from the very beginning, that would have helped me a lot, um, encouraging me um, to continue. Sometimes I would have wished I would have received more of that kind of mm -hmm. encouraging more than asking me the question, do you really think uh, you have taken the right decision? Mm -hmm. Because that was basically feeding to my insecurity. Yeah. Um, so, but, but over time, um, things got better. And the longer I do it, the more fun it is. <laughs> exactly. Let's move along the chronology and towards um, the kind of leader you have become. Because I have uh, been working with you so as, a, as an external facilitator supporting you and your team. And what I really appreciated was the way that you gave your team space to take their own decisions. I felt a lot of trust that you had towards your team. So I was curious to see how, how would you describe yourself, your leadership style now? Well, my style basically is that, as I told you, I have quite a number of people I have to look after and I simply don't have the time uh, and I don't want to think through what they have to do. So for me, the most convenient way is give them a task and have the experience that once it worked with me as well, give me a task and I find a solution. And my style basically is I trust they can find a solution, but I expect them to come to me to ask questions if they don't. So it's not that I leave them in a way of laissez-faire, let them do, and then I'm gone and I don't take responsibility. What I want my team to do is take the responsibility for a task I give to them, think it through, and tell me exactly where their problem lies. Because I don't like if they come and tell me, I don't know what to do. I don't know either. And I, don't, I can't grasp where their problem lies. What I want them is I want them to think. Because that's much more efficient for me. And they do it much better. Because in substance, they are much better in, in many of the issues. I can't be as good as they are in substance on all the different areas I have to cover. So... Um, my, my style basically is trust. It's giving responsibility, but it's also the, the expectation that they come and ask questions. And my experience is those people who like to, to be creative, to find their own solution to a problem, that they love to work with me. But those people who need someone who tells them, well, first you do this step and then you do that step. And once you have done that, then you come back and then I check on whether you have done it exactly the way I want it. Then we do the next step. I don't want to do that. And I know that if I give them that responsibility to find their solutions, that they sometimes do it differently than I would have done it. And that is something I can live with. So you mentioned the, the trust that you give to your team. And I know that for a lot of leaders or people starting their first leadership position, that is quite tricky. This thing of really letting go and trusting that others will do it. Like you said, they might do it differently, but still um, trusting the process and the people you have in your team. What are recommendations you would give for those people um, to make it easier to trust and let go? 
This is really hard to answer. My experience simply is the more you trust someone, uh, the more you reward it. And you, the more you're suspicious, the more suspicion you get back. And that's just an experience I made. And that, that allows me um, to trust. And maybe that also has to do with, I usually start off trusting people. And I only have to make a, I mean, I, I stop doing that when I have a, an experience um, that tells me, well, you might need to be a little bit more cautious with that person. But usually, I mean, I don't even get to that point because trust is, that's my experience, is rewarded. And people actually feel honored that you trust them. And that gives them a better feeling. And then they are much more motivated to, to really um, deliver. That's the experience I made. What do you think, if I would ask your team about your leadership style, what do you think would they tell me? Um, probably they would also say, yes, um, she trusts us. She allows us quite some things to do. Some probably would answer, we don't exactly know what to do and would feel a little bit um, insecure in, in how to approach things. Because for them, it, it depends on people. Some of them, as, as I said, yeah. they really like it and they come when they have a problem. For those who have a problem I'm asking or telling that they have a problem, it's much more difficult. And they have much more problems mm -hmm. with my, my style. Yeah, that's something that in the work with first-time leaders that I see or that we talk about is that there is no one right leadership style. It's really matching your style with the needs also of the people in your team. Like you say, if there's no need to be on a, on a close loop with the boss, they're perfectly happy working with you and some others not. So that's something also important. I always tell the first-time leaders when selecting the people in your team. So really making sure that there are people who can kind of handle your leadership style and who who thrive, like you said, who are, feel rewarded and feel like it's the right interaction with the leader. Yeah, and I, my experience is, and I told you that, that the team has changed several times. There have been numerous reasons, but one thing was quite obvious that people who like, let's say, to take responsibility and to be creative and to, um, let's say, design the way they work by themselves, They stayed much longer than those people who really need this very close guidance and who want um, to be led each step or which don't like to take responsibility. But even those people learned over time that they feel much more yeah, self-conscious in a, in a way um, if you give them the responsibility And even those people rewarded it, even though they in the beginning didn't feel that comfortable with their role. Let's move, Nicole, from the work environment back to, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's coming now, the association and your experience with leadership there, because I find it so highly interesting. So tell us a bit more about those experiences outside of work with leadership that you have. Yes, it was an ex um, association dealing with, um, let's say, political capacity building. Um, it was called Forum für Politik und Kultur uh, mm -hmm. in German. It, it's a forum for policy and, and culture. And it was an idea created by some people in university who also worked in um, political parties. And they figured out that there wasn't really a platform amongst these two, 
let's say, political ideas um, to talk to each other. It's This is almost 30 years ago, yeah. so uh, it's a long time ago. Um, and um, so they created this this forum, this association, and we organized um, events uh, with interesting people from politics, from science, um, from culture. Um, we asked them to lecture for us, um, and we said we don't have money, but we have an interesting audience for you. So um, we managed to get quite interesting people. And obviously that association had to be led. All of the work had to be organized, and we were a team of about 10 people. And um, I had the honor to lead that team for about seven years. Uh, I don't fully remember how I got um, elected uh, in the beginning, but then it was quite um, convenient to all of the others that I took that responsibility. And yes, I learned a lot. Um, I learned things like that if people walk out, they have to come back in and that you have just to have to stay patient and to create an, an atmosphere where it's easy for them to come back. At that time, people were still smoking a lot. Um, so then you, you had your smokers break for them to come back in. I learned a lot throughout that um, time. And that, um, I, I mean, I, I got more self-confident um, with that experience and it helped me later on than in my um, professional um, leadership yeah. role. That's something that um, in, uh, in this podcast, several interviewees have already mentioned that they started with their well, leadership experience. And I think it's absolutely fair to say that because you were responsible for the interaction with people taking them along and um, the great opportunities of leading a first team outside of a, say, structured hierarchical um, organization and just trying things out in an association. So I, I really always want to encourage listeners also to, to give it a go and to see where they can gain those skills. What would you say in, in your case were skills that helped you later on when you took over your first team from that time? Well, it was this... Uh not being shy, um, being able to speak um, in front of other people. Um, I'm the oldest of five children. Um, so I'm also, well, basically from my background, used to take responsibility. <laughs> that was the expectation by my parents all the time that the oldest has to take the responsibility. So for me, that, that has always been quite natural. And then I learned it in that process also um, to take that in a different setting than in the family. And I think that that helped a lot. Um, also being responsible to organize processes, even though that, again, was one of the issues uh, which were much more complicated in, in my professional uh, learning period, and how to organize a process with so many people. Um, but that takes time. I mean, it's it's normal. You You're not perfect at the beginning and no one expects you to be perfect. And maybe that was earlier on um, the message I would have needed in yeah. the beginning. Um, don't expect to be perfect from day one onwards. You will learn. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of pressure off oneself, right? Knowing that Absolutely. with hindsight. Yeah. Um, you talked about your, your professional life and something that um, I would like to also elaborate a bit more because it's so special. Like you're the very first person I personally know who um, 
is sitting at events that shape people worldwide for future generations to come. And those are the climate negotiations. And I'd love to hear your experience because I know people and the interaction with people is so important to you. So tell us a bit about the way you um, engage with people in the climate negotiations that is, has to do so much also with your leadership style. Well, in the beginning, um, I thought as many people think that you have to know a lot about climate policy um, to be a negotiator. And um, then I had to learn, well, I have a huge team and they're, again, they're, their expect um, expertise in many areas, it's much higher than mine. I have to know a lot about substance, yes, but it's much more important that I know um, that I'm negotiating with people. And that is something people often don't tell you. They, they talk a lot about the, the political interests that people have, and that is important to know, yes, but it's also important to understand there is an individual sitting next to you. And the better I can build a relationship with that person, the better I can interact with that person. And um, if you have two different people, um, one of them has a totally different position than you have, but you have a personal level to talk to. So you can take a break and say, well, listen, I understand you need this. I need that. Can't we sit together and find a solution that makes both of us happy? It's the so-called win-win negotiation. Then it usually works, even if your positions are very, very, very distinct. Whilst if you have someone where you can't find really um, a way of talking to that person, where the personal interaction doesn't really work, even if your positions are quite close, it sometimes can get quite tricky. And that was one of the experiences quite quite important um, to me to make in those negotiations to understand this is not a country, this is not China, this is not the US, this is not Russia, this is an individual. And they, as I do, they have to represent positions. Yes, but we are all individuals and... Um, if I'm respected as a person and if I can convey that I respect that person as a person, may, often not the position, but the person I can respect. And if I can get that across, then I can work with that person and then we can work on solutions. And that has a lot to do with, with getting that sense of whom I'm dealing with. And I think that's the same as in leadership that you have to understand the individual which you have sitting next to you I'm, I'm just figuring like in my head I'm uh, trying to see you in the big negotiation hall or the big negotiation floor I don't know for example of the Paris agreement um, what are really concrete examples and of course you don't have to name any countries but um, concrete examples with which you approach people to be on this let's say human level what what are concrete things that you do as a kind of maybe also suggestion to listeners to approach and start having trust with well, people? Uh, first of all, in negotiations, the, the coffee breaks are the most important moments. Um, coffee breaks, um, the, um, the smoker's corner is also a place. It's not my place, but it's an important place where lots of deals will be prepared. Um, it's that kind of things. Um, if, if you're, let's say, invited for a dinner, uh, not just talk about substance, try to, to find a way and how to, let's say, to understand who that is that sits next to you and, and remember these things. 
um, so that you can refer to that uh, when you meet them next time. Um, that I think is important. And that also requires to show a little bit um, from your personality because um, th that gets across. Yeah. And the more you're with yourself, the more honest you are. I think, um, again, that's an, that an issue of trust building. Um, that is something I learned and that's the, also the feedback I received that, that if I tell people, well, I can do this or I try, and they know they can trust that I really will try. Um, whether it works out or not, that's on a different page that sometimes is beyond my influence. But at least um, they trust that if I tell them I will try to, to moderate this compromise, then and that is something which I have given myself that that people can trust me. So if I I, I wouldn't lie to them, I wouldn't say I, I I I try this solution and then I do something else. I would usually let them know. Like you said, if it is about honesty and it's about showing your true self also at work or in your case at negotiations. And I I hope we can encourage the listeners Absolutely. through your stories to really. Um, show up with their all their human yeah. side and I mean uh, if you open up yourself I mean you risk that people um, abuse it uh, but I have never made that experience to be very honest it's um, it's usually um, well appreciated I mean you yeah. obviously it doesn't mean that you tell people everything that's not the point it's I mean you need to have that little kind of um, sensation how much do I do there um, but trying to be someone else hasn't ever worked and I mean you feel that you feel that if someone is is trying to play a role and you don't trust the person that does it yeah yeah that has never gotten no, people very far <laughs> let's <laughs> let's um move to our last topic and I think it's a nice um, um, shift because about uh, you just mentioned people will feel it if you're dishonest for example and not just people but also animals and I know that you are uh, you are very let's say keen on horses love them <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you have um, also lots of experience in, in the kind of communication with horses or tell us more about what you learned with horses that is useful also in your leadership. Horses are herd animals and um, they are used that someone is, let's say, leading the herd. And if you as a human being, if you can manage um, to give them the feeling you can trust me, you will solve my problem. Um, then you have a very good relationship with the horse. There is horses who have a tendency to to want more of leadership themselves. Then you have to to figure it out uh, with them. But usually, they really want you to lead. But what they need to feel is that they can trust you. So if 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 your feeling is yes, I I'll solve our problem, then they will trust you. If you ask yourself, well am I able to solve the problem? They will immediately spot that. And then they will think, oh, I can't be exactly sure on whether this person is going to solve the problem. So I'd rather solve it myself because I um, I'm a herd animal, first of all, and I will flee because uh, if something is dangerous, I run away. This is the typical reaction of a horse. And I have to convince the horse, there is no need to run away. I'll solve the problem for you. 
And if I'm self-confident, the horse will feel it. And that, that mirroring, I understood only recently how much that had helped me as, as a young child in, in dealing with horses, that I always, okay, we go there. And they followed me. And I didn't even question that. And I've seen many people with that problem. I've never had that problem. And then I understood, okay, it's, if, if you know what you want and where to go, then, then the horse feels confident and it mirrors it to you and it says, okay, I trust you, I follow you. And that was, that was a great experience. Yeah, it, it's really this, if you believe it, others will feel it. And it can be horses, it can be people. If you are sure and you transport that also subconsciously, um, then it really it will get across. We've come to the last question that I always ask the guests in this podcast. And it's an imaginary one. So imagine that you have the magical power for one day to make sure that leaders around the world use a specific behavior with their teams. What kind of behavior would you wish for leaders to, to show on that day with their team? Honesty. To be honest and to be themselves and not to try to, try to play a role. I think if, if we are all honest, uh, we will jointly achieve much more um, than if we try to play a role or if we try to fulfill other people's expectations of, of the role we are let's say we are playing in, in our professional life. Thank you so much. A very honest, thankful, uh, thank you, really. I appreciate, I know how busy you are and I appreciate that you took the time to join the podcast. It was really a pleasure. Thank you very much. This was Destination Leadership, the podcast with inspiring leaders. I'm curious to hear, what is it from this interview that you take away that has inspired you? Write to me via Instagram, Twitter, or get in touch via LinkedIn. All under my name, Katrin Grunwald. Also, if you have any feedbacks on the podcast or suggestions of leaders that have left a positive mark on you and you'd like others around the world to hear this inspiration too. I look forward to welcoming you again on the next episode of Destination Leadership.